Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday, November the 7th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline Senior Vice President of Operations. And we're going to continue our study in the book of Genesis. I just want to say thank you to you guys who have been on this journey with us, those of you that have been listening in and followed through these 32 chapters of Genesis so far. And I love this book. I love um, the examples of just the hand of the Lord upon um, those who follow him, how he follows through with his promises. And there's just been so many rich truths of the goodness of God throughout the book of Genesis. And and we're following over the, really the past couple months, the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and what the Lord is doing in their lives and how he's held true to his promises from the very beginning. And we're going to continue today looking really at a lot of a lot of passages, um, but I'm going to try to give you the Cliff Notes version of Genesis 32 through 36 before we pick up next week, diving more into the life of Joseph specifically. So we're going to be looking at more of the life of Jacob and Esau and what the Lord is doing through them um, as he is fulfilling his promise just to multiply the earth and to have his hand upon them Um even in their um, lack of trust, even in their um, sin-ridden families and how they make decisions that are self-centered, but the Lord's hand and his covenant held true through this. And it's just been such a reminder to me of, of how often we fall short, but the goodness of God continues to prevail on our life. And there's seasons where we don't understand or things don't make sense, but yet he is there, even though we may not see him or we may not feel him. The Lord is working in and through all things. And in this passage today, Jacob is returning back home. He is he is taking his family. If you remember, he has married Leah. He has married Rachel. And he is on his journey to go back and see his brother. But if you have been doing um, following the study of the book of Genesis with us, you remember he didn't leave on the best of terms with his brother Esau. He stole his birthright. Um, he fled to this other land. And Esau even went as far as saying he wanted to kill his brother. So think about what has happened over the 20 years that Jacob has been without his brother Esau. He has been in this foreign land. He is married. He started as a family. He has multiple children. And he is about to meet his brother for the first time. He is just riddled with fear. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He is scared to face his past, and he is just a nervous wreck upon this reunion with Esau and truly fearful for his life. And this is what it says in Genesis 32. It says, he went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Eden, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and have stayed until now. 
I have oxen and donkeys and flocks of male ser- and flocks, male servants and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. So it's hard not to read that those three verses with a, a British accent because it sounds so formal as you um, hear how Jacob is addressing his his brother Esau and even calls him my Lord um, with the lowercase l. But he is trying to go before Esau with the utmost humility and respect. Um, and he sends he, these messengers before him just because he's a little uncertain of what Esau's response is. He doesn't know if his brother has forgiven him. He doesn't know if his brother is still out to get him. He has no idea. And he has sent these messengers just to pave the way to say, I'm okay. I have flocks and herds and children and servants and all of these things. And I want to, to, to reunite with you in hopes that I may have favor in your sight. And then the messengers returned in, in verse six to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. I, I'm sure he was. You think about, he, he knew that he left things in a, in a bad situation. He knew that he stole his brother's birthright. He knew his brother was angry at him. And he finds out that his brother is on this path with 400 people to meet him. And he is overcome with fear to the point that it says in verse seven, he divided his people who were with him into flocks and herds and camels into two camps. He was thinking if Esau comes to one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. I mean, he is truly preparing for death, thinking that his his family could be killed, he could be killed, and trying to be proactive, he divides his family into two groupings of people with the hopes that at least half of them will survive. So he is scared. He is scared to death. And I think this is such a reminder, and I feel like we could really spend all of our time in these first 12 verses because there's so many um, nuggets of truth that are in intertwined into these verses of just um, of life application and things that, that we need to be reminded of as we sojourn with the Lord. But he is he is scared to death. And he, divide, he he begins to take things into his own hands and divides his family and his belongings up into two groups of people. And then in verse 9, he prays. And then he prays. And I, I, I could tell you, I was encouraged when I read this because it's so um, reminiscent of even my response to the Lord. Of, I'm going to do whatever I can in my own hands. And I'm going to make this plan. And I'm going to do what I think is right. And then I'm going to pray. And how backward is that from what we know through Scripture and what we know of our Heavenly Father and His love for us? We should we should go before the Lord with everything. No request is too small. We should have this relationship of just meditation, of, of conversations with our Father, to where it is our first um, it is our first focus that we go before the Lord asking for Him to intervene before we try to take things into our own hands. But Jacob like myself, worked to, to take everything into his own hands. And then in verse 9, he finally decides to stop and pray. And this is what he says. O God of my father Abraham 
and God of my father Isaac. O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed the Jordan, and not and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, and he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Isn't it interesting that immediately in the time of struggle, uncertainty, fear, and trial, that he begins to recall the promises of God. God of my, of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac. He begins to recall what we now have as, as scripture, but he begins to recall, I'm sure, what was communicated to him from his grandfather and from his dad of the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham that his family would multiply, that it, his offspring would be more numerous than the sands of the seashore, and, and that, the, that God would stay with him and stay faithful. So he calls out to the Lord and, and truly just says, I, don't, I, I came over here with just a staff. Like, I, don't, I don't have anything, and it's because of you that I'm here. So Lord, show me your faithfulness and protect me from what I'm about to face. So he, he responded in prayer and petition before the Lord, but not before he became frantic and began to make a plan um, that he was hoping would suffice to protect him and protect his children. And it says in verse 13, he stayed there for the night and had with him a flock. Or I'm sorry, and he stayed there for the night. And from that, he had with, with, what him, with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. So this present that he takes to his brother um, definitely reminds us of what we're reading and the time in the world. Um, but the gift were, were livestock. Um, there were goats and there were cows and bulls and, and camels. And, and he, he prepares these gifts for his brother and he gave them to his servants in verse number 16. And this is what it says. He handed them to the servants um, every drove by itself. And he said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And who are, who is, who are these ahead of you? You shall say, they belong to your servant, Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. So he is, Jacob's asking these servants just to pave the way. Like he, as much as he's fearful, right? He's putting the life of his servants on the line and letting and, and asking them to identify themselves, to say, "I'm a servant of Jacob, and I am coming. These gifts are, are from you, of Jake, from Jacob, and I'm presenting them to you, my lord Esau." I mean, wouldn't you hate to be the first guy in the in the line? Like, if you were the first servant and you don't even know what's happening, you've only heard about this guy, and you've probably heard horrible stories of threats of him trying to kill his younger brother, Jacob. And you're the first man in line to give him the gifts. I think your heart may be beating out of your chest, scared to death about the response of Esau um, in, in uh, this, in this journey. 
So he, he gives him the gifts and he says, and Jacob's behind us. He's coming too. For he thought in verse 20, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So he's telling them exactly what to communicate and expressing his humility. So the present passed on ahead of him and he himself stayed the night in the camp. So he stays back sending the servants ahead of him. And this is a, a passage of scripture um, next of just Jacob wrestling with God that I'm sure um, you have you have read before and studied before. But this is just a great depiction of Jacob and his stubbornness. Um, and really what is what has made him the man he is, how he's so driven. Um, sometimes he's he's dishonest, but he is a fighter. And he is going to manipulate and he's going to do whatever he can do to get his way. And this drive, um, now he finds himself alone and he begins to wrestle with God. And this is what it says in the rest of chapter 32. Um, the same night he arose and he took his two wives, remember Leah and Rachel, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and set them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. He was left alone. So a time of distress, a time of uncertainty. I've sent my servants away. I hope they're alive. I've sent my family across the river. And he chooses to be left alone on the other side of the riverbank. And it says, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. We know that this, this was God wrestling with Jacob. Um, as he was alone, and let's read through these these seven verses here um, that outlines exactly what happened during that during that time. It says, "When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, "Let me go, for the day has broken." But Jacob said, "I will not let you go unless you bless me." And he said to him. What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. So remember in the, in, in the past scripture that we've read, we even talked about Abram, his name being changed to Abraham. Significant things happen that result in the name change of one of the Christ followers. And he says, your name shall be Israel. You have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. When Jacob Ask him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there, and there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And the sun rose as he passed the city. So you can see... Um, Jacob wrestling with the Lord. And we, again, could spend a whole nother podcast together talking through um, this wrestling and these these verses of, of his encounter. Um, but he, his, through his, his stubbornness, he, he is demanding that the Lord bless him. And as a, as a reminder, right, he is, he is, he is in a position of fear. He is in a position of um, being scared because he doesn't know what lies ahead of him 
when he meets his brother Esau. And he is asking, he's like, I will do whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes. I need you to bless me. He is crying out before the Lord. And I, again, so much we can learn from chapter 32 in our devotion to the Father, um, our need to seek him first. It, it's it's not, let me, let me um, organize a plan to sustain myself or protect myself, and then I'm going to pray like he did in verse 9. Let's pray first. Let's go before the Lord and pray and seek him in all things before we try to, to take things into our own hands. So, so many truths in chapter 32. I'm just going to give you a quick overview of the next three chapters, but we, we see that ultimately Jacob does meet Esau. He doesn't kill him. Um, he's excited to, to see his brother in chapter um, 33, and they kind of go back and forth about these gifts, and it's like, no, you take it. No, you take it. And ultimately, Esau decides that he will accept the gift from Jacob. Um, he returns to his homeland, but Jacob doesn't. Jacob takes a detour, ends up in the city of Shechem instead of following his brother back, um, and, and finds himself in a situation where one of his daughters is assaulted in chapter 34. And his brothers, or um, I'm sorry, Jacob's sons, uh, end up taking, uh, fighting and, and, and trying to do whatever it takes to protect to protect their their sister um, because Jacob didn't take immediate action. He was very upset about what happened um, from uh, from the father of Shechem, but there's begins to be this battle and this conversation between um, his other sons and making sure that things all end up, end up well. So Simeon and, and Levi, Jacob's sons um, make this, um, the kind of this false agreement, um, that, that they will give, um, their sister and Jacob will give his daughter to them in marriage as long as they follow through and become circumcised with all the men in the city, but get circumcised. And there's this plan that happens and, and the two brothers, um, go in and end up killing every man in the city and things just, go from, from bad to worse in chapter 34. It's a very hard chapter to read when you read about what has happened to Dina, the daughter of Jacob, and then what deceit happened as her brothers, um, Simeon and, and Levi, killed all the men in the city. Um, so Jacob finds himself again in the situation where uh, things go south. He begins to be worried again, right? He he ends up in in the later latter part of chapter thirty four, saying, "What have you? What have you done? Like if if the Canaanites and the and the Perizzites come after we're after us, we're all going to go down." And this is because of of what his sons have have done. So he finds himself again in another predicament of of fear, and this cycle continues of 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 Jacob. <clears throat> seeking the Lord. And it's, you start off in chapter 35 of him building this altar and seeking the Lord because something bad has happened. It's just this roller coaster of hardships. And then I'm going to seek the Lord and hardships. And then I'm going to seek the Lord. Um, and it's just so reminiscent, I think, of reminiscent of our lives so often uh, of looking um, at the good 
and things begin to just, uh, we know we take the easy road and maybe don't commune with the Lord as much. And then things get tough and then we commune with the Lord. Um, so you just see this happen in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 35. And then in the latter part of this, you see um, him lose his wife. His, the love of his life, Rachel, passes away as she's giving birth to their second son. And then um, the death of his father, Isaac, uh, as well. So a lot happens in these passages. And we're going to look, as I said next week, at the life of Joseph um, as we continue the book study in Genesis. So thank you guys again for tuning in. And we're going to close out our time today in prayer, praying for the country of Bulgaria. So let's pray today. God, we are so um, thankful for your word and we're thankful for your goodness. And just a reminder today in the book of Genesis to be um, reminded of your goodness and, and how in times of turmoil, times of uncertainty, that we can rely on you in all things that you have called us to seek you in prayer um, before we try to take things into our own hands. So God, even this week as we serve, remind us of that. God, today we pray for the country of Bulgaria. Um, God, we pray for these many children that are waiting. Um, Lord, we pray for these older children and these sibling groups that are there um, and, and just living in difficult um, conditions. So God, we pray that they may feel your presence. God, specifically the Roma children there, um, that face severe discrimination across the country, God. Lord, may they just feel peace and, um, Lord, just your love as as they are they're just in a season of waiting. Um, God, we pray for these families who are traveling and to adopt some of these children, those five families who are, who are soon going to be in the country. God, we pray for them as they navigate this these waters. God, we pray for them as they are going to be in country. We pray for them as they're going to be coming home and, and um, addressing new struggles and challenges, God. But we're just grateful for the Bulgaria team at Lifeline and for all of those who invest in these families um, as they prepare to travel and as they come home, God. We're just grateful for them and for um, Lord, just the investment that they are making in the lives of these children and families across, um, across the world. God, we also pray for our in-country team there um, as they review files and as they um, review kids that are on the waiting list. Lord, just... Um, Lord, help them feel your presence. And God, we, we pray that we may see continued direction and movement happen in this process. And Lord, lastly, we just want to say thank you for what, you, what you've done. We're grateful for the opportunity to travel to Bulgaria the past couple months to meet with our partners face-to-face -face for the first time in so many years. We're so grateful for that opportunity. We're grateful for these families that are moving forward with adoption of these children with special needs. And God, um, for this program in general, we ask that your hand be upon it. May it grow as we see these children placed in forever families. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.